Eight months ago, I uh, turned 40. Yeah. Thank you. Um, hello, gingivitis. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. My teeth are fine. Teeth are fine. Um, I have to tell you that it has been and was probably the toughest year of my life. Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, anything else, Ali. And one of the things that I've learned over this journey is that I've been trying to do a lot of things that I really have no place trying to do. And we've been talking as a church to, uh, to do things in the spirit of God and to, to allow him to do, take care of the things that really he should be uh, taking care of. And one of the things that I, I like to do when I'm having tough times, uh, when I have moments where I feel lost, I feel empty, I don't know if you guys uh, feel in those ways, but uh, I like to look back. And I was looking back at some old photos and things, trying to figure out, God, why, why am I even here? What do I, like, what, what's going on? Like, what's, it, what's important to me right now? Uh, why, why am I even in this country, right? I, I mean, you know the joke, I've said this to you before. You know, my dad says this stuff, like, you're made in China, assembled in India, shipped to Canada kind of thing. Like, I'm like, what, what, who does that kind of thing, right? And uh, I, I thought it would be funny. Um, there's this picture that I came up with, which is significant to me. Um, that's, that's vintage right there. I mean, that's like Hakeem Optical Special right there. People are like trying to buy into that. That was, that was when we became citizens of this country. And uh, you can take that off before someone gets sick. Um, I like to look back and I, I like to look back and think, and that, that picture really resonated with me because it, it really started to show uh, our family trusting in God to come to this country with little to nothing in our pockets and to, to let him see. And as we look back to see that the journey that he has brought us through and uh, to know that God has had his hand in our lives and, and through all of this stuff right now. Um, I wish I could preach to you like two sermons this morning because I, I got to tell you some of the other stuff that God's been doing in my life that he's been showing me that really I, I, I can't be the one holding the reins in life. You know, it's like one of those Jesus take the wheel moments, right? Where it's like, okay, you need to take it where you really need to take it. I, I have to relinquish control. And I find it's really interesting because the journey that we've been on as a church has been similar, isn't it? If you remember, and this, if, if you're joining us for the first time, uh, we're just about to head into the fall. I know it's terrible and stuff like that. Summer's over, kind of, right? Um, but just to give you a little bit more summer, we shut off the air conditioning in here. Totally kidding. Uh, our air conditioning unit is broken. Half of it's broken. So this side is going to be cooler than this side. So... Um, totally kidding. Um, but if you remember, if you've been here, if you've never been here, just a refresher course. Um, about a year and a bit ago, Kevin uh, came in here and he started talking a little bit about the fact that we as a church can't just be complacent where we are. We can't just be people who warm seats. We got to be people who, who actually live by the things that we say we believe. Is that me, Christian? No? Should I just forget it? Okay. And we've, we've been on this journey as we're looking back to see what it is that God has been doing in our midst and over here. And one of the things that we realize as we look back today is that we have to be a people who are filled with the Spirit of God. 
We cannot be people who go out there and do things on our own power, for if we do, we shall fail. Or even worse, we'll do more of the same. And we wanted to ask God, we wanted to invite God into this process of saying, okay, God, you take the reins. You take these things and show us what it is that you need us to do. Last week, if you were here, Elizabeth, I I sent her a text. I said, you absolutely destroyed it on Sunday. For those of you who are thinking I just insulted her, that's hipster talk for it's cool. (laughs) And what she talked about was the fact that there's an identity that we have in Jesus, and there's something greater that is at work in us that's wanting to do the work. We have to let him. We have to let him. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. There's two words when I was praying about this message this morning, and I was praying and asking God, what is it that you want our church to understand, to see, to believe, to really grasp onto? And these two words resonated deeply, deeply with me. And they're the words identity and obedience. This is going to be sort of a a little bit of a recap of last week's recap of the whole year. But I don't have a problem repeating some of these things because it's important as people who tend to forget. So if you will, would you join me in prayer as we ask God to really seal in the goodness of what he's doing in our hearts and our minds? Would you join me in prayer? Lord God, you are incredible. We love you and we bless you. May your kingdom come here in this place, in our homes, in our schools, in our workplace, in our cars, wherever we go. Lord Jesus, I want to pray this morning that as we sit here and as we listen, as we engage with your spirit, I pray, God, that your spirit would do a new work, a fresh work in our spirit. God, I pray that you would give us more questions than when we came, first came in here. God, I pray that you would disrupt the flow of life so that we may pay attention even more to you. Father, I want to pray against anything that seeks to want to destroy that work, to distract from that work, and to take it away. And I pray it in the name of Jesus that he, whatever it is that that is here, that seeks to want to take that work and do something else with it, that they are not invited. Instead, Lord Jesus, we ask you to fill us with your Holy Spirit, to fill us in such a way that, God, we would not just be motivated, but that we would become new people to do your work. All these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I was reading this week in the book of Ezekiel, and uh, I'd opened up to Ezekiel chapter 37. And Ezekiel chapter 37 is an interesting thing because uh, the prophet Ezekiel was, being, was taken uh, by God. Uh, some people believe it was a vision. Some people believe it was an actual thing. And he was given a vision of this valley where death lived. And it was just full of dry bones. And... Uh, just to kind of sum up what was, what was going on, because I don't want us to focus on this, the vision and the cool thing that happens. I want to focus on what God says after that. 
he sees this vision and he says, this is, this is sort of a depiction of my, my people, Israel. They're a bunch of dead, dead people. Like they're, they're, they want to do their own thing. They want to uh, kind of fill their lives with whatever and stuff like that. And that's what they are. They can't do it. They're just as good as dry bones. And he says, but this is what I'm going to do. And the Spirit of the Lord breathes on these dry bones. And, and it says that uh, tendons start to attach. The bones start clacking together. And all of a sudden, there's this, there's this uh, life that exists. And there's this verse, as I look back, um, it says this in Ezekiel chapter 37. You don't have to open to it because we should have it on PowerPoint. It says this in verse 26. This is what God says after the fact. He says, I will make a covenant of peace with them, his people, that is. It will be an everlasting covenant. I will establish them, increase their numbers, and I will put my sanctuary, meaning I will put my presence, this is where I live. I will put my sanctuary among them forever. My dwelling place will be with them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Then the nations will know that I, the Lord, make Israel holy when my sanctuary is among them. It's incredible because when I look back, and I look back in the Old Testament, as far as the Old Testament in Ezekiel, we see the fact that there are people who still want to try to do things on their own. God makes a covenant with these people, but they still want to go ahead and do things on their own. And as a result, they try to fill their lives with a whole bunch of things that they really shouldn't be filling with. And like this balloon, the content of what they fill themselves with do absolutely nothing. God says to them in verse 14 of Ezekiel, I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. So it's kind of like God saying, okay, you've tried it your way. Now let me show you what I can do. You've tried it your way. You filled it with a whole bunch of things. This is what I really want to do. I just realized balloons and stucco don't really mix. God, when we look back at this journey of this year, this is what God wants to do in us. He wants to fill us with his spirit in such a way that we become more than we actually think that we can become on our own. Our identity is something that God wants to recreate. And last week when Elizabeth was taught, was speaking, there were a lot of things that I was like, I was, I was like, yes, 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 this is important. But it, was un, it wasn't until the last point, the last verse that she hit, which is where I want us to be today. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open up to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 10. Ironic, not ironically, but interestingly enough, this was also the verse that we started off our year, or, or actually several years ago, we started off looking at this verse and, and looking and seeing what it is that God was actually trying to do, wanting to do. And here was the verse in Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 and 8. It says this, Jesus just called his 12 disciples and he's sending them out. And he says, as you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. 
we look back this year and we start to see what it is, what is it that God wants to do in our midst? And we realize this important theme of kingdom, God's kingdom, what he wants to do in this world. We establish the fact that this world isn't what God wants it to be. It's run away on its own. There's lots of bad things happening in the world right now. And one of the things that God wants to do isn't to take us all away from this place and put us in a place so we escape it. Why? Because God loves his creation. Our mission, God's mission on this world, is not to escape it, but to fix it. And to do that, he grants us his spirit. And we learned very early on in, in our discovery of this journey, that when we look back, that God and his kingdom is moving amongst the kingdom of this world. The bad things that are happening, God is changing slowly. The bad things that are arising, God is overcoming. He's taking over. And what does he want to do with you and I? He wants to fill us with his presence so that we would stand right at the cusp of that change in the kingdom. We are not meant to be a people who gather once a week, sing a bunch of songs that are dear to our faith, and go home and forget about it. We are meant to be people who are filled with God's presence in such a way that our identities now look like what Jesus is describing in this passage. Go heal the sick. Go raise the dead. Go heal the leper. Go drive out demons. Now, before you sit here and you're thinking, man, this is the last time I come here because they're talking some freaky stuff. Let me just give you a little bit of insight about this passage. Times were definitely different in Matthew's day. But there's a reason why he puts it out there. And I think there's a reason for why we can read this and look at this from a spectrum of things. We understand that this world is not merely a physical thing. There's a spiritual aspect to this world. If you read through the Bible, there's a lot of times when the, there's, there's uh, glimpses of this battle between the things that God wants to do and the enemy, Satan, and all of his demons, and all of the things. And sin has kind of devastated this creation. And God's response to all of that is, I'm going to come and overcome that with my presence. I'm going to overcome that work by doing the things that are being destroyed. I'm going to fix them. And he does that by sending out his disciples. Now, you and I may say, man, I, I really shouldn't, you know, praying for the sick, like, really, is that, is that something? You know, I, I want to put this, I want to put this in a, in a spectrum of, of, of understanding. I believe today that this passage has so much to teach us about who we are as people and what we ought to be. When he says, go and heal the sick, Raise the dead. I believe he says, I believe he means what he says. Go, go pray for the sick. It's, it's the reason why when we, when we find someone sick in our midst, we come and we pray. We persist and pray. We persist and ask God. When I think about what he says about go reach the leper, when he says uh, cleanse those who have leprosy, here's what I think he means as well. Go and pray for those sicknesses. But think about this. In Matthew's day, the leper was the outcast. They were the unclean people. 
They were the people on the fringe of society. And I think what Jesus is saying here as well is he's like, don't just go pray for them and be with them. Include them in community because my community looks like an all-inclusive uh, uh, group of people surrounded by all people from all different walks of life. That's your identity. Go out and reach those. And then he gets to the part where I think a lot of people kind of, ooh, that's, you know, like, drive with demons. Like, do I look like a ghostbuster or something? Like, what, what is this? On the one hand, I believe that he talks about the actual things that are going on in this world. It's very easy for us in our culture to be blinded to the spiritual things that are going on. Right? You've all heard that. The biggest, the biggest lie that Satan can kind of tell you is that he doesn't exist. And it's easy as a, group, as a group of people for us to think, you know what, this stuff doesn't exist. This was back in those days. We don't need to deal with any of this stuff. And I'm telling you right now, I've, there are some things I've experienced in this church and experienced, uh, you know, speaking with, with people around this church. Those things are hard to deny. And the crazy thing is God, Jesus, gives us the ability. He says the authority to go and drive those, to cleanse those. And I would also say on the other side of the spectrum, as we jump farther into the New Testament, Paul says that we don't battle against flesh and blood. We battle against the principalities and the powers of this world. There are systems at play in this world to which there are things that are evil that they seek to continue destroying humanity in this world. Injustice, poverty, all the isms, all those things that seek to want to diminish quality and the quantity of life in people, that's on this other side of spectrum. And what I believe Jesus is saying is, he's like, look, push out these demons, but at the same time, stand in these places as my representative. Push out those evils in those systems. Stand against those things. Why? Because you as a people of God are meant to be the hands and the feet of this kingdom work. That's what I see when I look back. When I look back at this year of, of this journey as I think through some of the things that God has placed on our hearts. That's who we are. It's easy to forget who we are. You are not a product of what you do. If you're a carpenter here, that's great. But you're not, your identity is not a carpenter. That's what you do. If you're an engineer, that's what you do. That's not what you are. If we're a people of God, we are who God says we are. And God says he's given us the authority to go out there and make these changes. But we don't do it on our own power. We do it with the power of the Spirit. The more we invite God to take over in our lives, the more we come and say, God, take the reins. God, I have no idea what it is that you want me to do, but here I am. I'll do it. The more we feed into this identity of who God has called us and made us out to be. That's who we are. We're called to do these things. We've been given the ability to do these things. We don't do them on our own. We've been given the ability to. 
I was reading this passage, and um, we're going to get ready for communion in a second. I was reading and studying this passage, and uh, it, was, it actually happened yesterday. It was kind of funny. Um, I had a terrible food day yesterday, and I, I don't know if you guys ever had that, where every meal you think you want and you go and get it is just a terrible sort of like mixture, you know, in this area kind of thing, and you're like, oh, why did I do that, right? So I went to McDonald's, which usually is not a good food area idea, and um, I, I was in the parking lot, and I was like, all right, you know, I'll just get something small or whatever. I grabbed it, and I was thinking about this passage because, you know, like the day before the sermons, it's always like that's all I'm thinking about, and I was like, okay, God, like, so if this is real and you, your spirit is like really like at work and you're going to give me these opportunities or whatever, like, what do you want me to do? Like, what do you want me to do? At my car window. Huh? And there was this guy, he's like totally drugged out. I can tell because when I rolled down the window, I could smell it. His eyes were glazed over. He wasn't like making a lot of sense. You know, and he couldn't like, couldn't stand properly. Hey man, I haven't like eaten in like years that's when I knew he was really on drugs. And I said, oh, well, what do you want me to do? He goes, I don't know. So I just drove back to McDonald's and bought him a meal. And I was just sitting there talking to him, and I thought, it's interesting. I'm not suggesting to you for one bit that God answers all my prayers or inquiries like that. But I don't ever want to get to a place where I stop asking God. I don't want to ever get to a point where I stop asking God for opportunities where his kingdom can start being shown. And in praying with that guy and seeing what it is that was going on in his life, I was like, okay, God, thank you for, <laughs> thank you for answering the inquiry. And my point there is this. This is who we are, and this is who we're meant to be. One of the greatest things that I think Forsberg does is that we spend time at the Lord's table together. I remember when I was first interviewing this, for this job uh, many years ago, I asked the, uh, the, the board or whoever was the interviewing me, I said, what is the one major thing that characterizes Forest Brook. And I thought I was going to get some kind of wishy-washy answer. And they said, the table. The table is where Jesus reminds us of the intimacy that we have with him. The table is the place where we are reminded of who we are as people. We are people of the bread and the cup and the cross. We are people of the spirit. These are things, this is the physical, tangible thing for which reminds us of what, pay, of what price Jesus had to pay to give us what we claim today. And so as we take this, I, I, I want to invite you to reflect and to think back as to what it is that God is calling you out to be, not just a churchgoer, but a child empowered by the Holy Spirit sent out to do his kingdom work. Let's pray for communion. Lord God, we bless you.
and we thank you. We thank you for the reminder that the table, the cup, and the bread serve to us. We pray, God, that as we take it, Lord, that you remind us in a fierce way of what it cost you to make us children of yours. Lord Jesus, I pray that as we, we continue to worship, that we would be caught up in your work. Father, as we sing these songs, that darkness would be scared. That as we sing these songs, we would be reminded of what it is that you want to do. And Father, would you grant us energy and courage to go out there and do it. Amen. That maybe there are some of you who are sitting here who maybe here for the first time and or the second time or the hundredth time. And you've heard this all over. You've heard this and, and to you it's like, yeah, every week it's the same. And what I want to say to you is this, that maybe you're struggling in ways that hide the real vision of what God wants you to be. We, we want to pray with you for that. We want, we want to talk with you about those things. Uh, none of these things we say are meant to be militant in a way that, like, yeah, we're going to go out there, whatever. It's, you have to remember, J Jesus invites us. He reaches out to each one of us in our own little way, speaking to the things that are happening in our own lives, and draws us. Some in a matter of timing, like right now, and others, he's been working on you. 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 And he'll keep working on you. So I recognize that. And I want to say that as we go into this, this part where we talk about obedience, um, after the service and during the service, we're going to have time for prayer for one another. Um, I'd love for you to come and talk and pray if that's what you need. The ushers, now we can go. Plan B, here we go. Um, the ushers are going to be coming around um, and handing out baskets of, uh, with a cue cards and pencils inside. And I'd love for you to take a copy or take one and pass it down. We're going to be doing something now that um, I felt like this is, the, this is like the crux of sort of this recap. I was joking around with some people this week. I was like, you know what? After Elizabeth preached on Sunday, I was like, I really just need to get up there and be like, are you going to do this or what? Right? Like, there, like, what more was there to say? And I was really struggling with God about that. I was like, I was just going to replay her sermon, to be honest with you, and just be like, you're going to do this or what? Because here's the thing. When Jesus calls his disciples, and I want you to notice this in, in, in Matthew chapter 10, he says this, I didn't put this up there on the PowerPoint. He says this in verse 5, these 12 that Jesus sent out, now Matthew uses the 12 to decipher the difference between those he's actually called and those he, who are actually following from the crowds. He says those he sent out with the following instructions, he says, don't go among the Gentiles or enter into any towns of the Samaritan, go rather to the lost sheep of Israel, and then as you go, yada, 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 we've, we've talked about that. 
So it's not like Jesus is saying, you know what, I just want Israel to find out about this stuff. Because we know when we look in the book of Acts, when we look farther in the New Testament, Jesus wants us to go out to the ends of the world. But what I think that God wants to say to us this morning through this passage and through what I just read is this. God has placed you in a specific location. Your street, your school, your workplace, your neighbors, your friends, your grocery store, your auto mechanic, your fill-in-the-blank. That's where the kingdom of God seeks to reach. And really, the obedience part of this sermon really is to understand that as God calls you and gives you this identity of being his child, you need to understand this one thing, that the calling includes the sending. The calling includes the sending. There's this inner mechanism where God puts something in us, and we can't just be happy opening it up once a week. God puts his spirit, it's alive, he's alive in us, and he's like, as you go, there's no choice here. It's not when you decide to go, or if you choose to go, as you go. Fill in this blank, as you go to school, as you go to work, as you go grocery shopping, as you go to your neighbors. There's a man who I really admire. He's passed away now. Um, was a missionary to India. His name is Leslie Newbigin. And one of the things that he says... No, not working? Okay. Sorry. Getting cues from the back here. One of the things that Leslie Newbigin says is this. We have corrupted the word church by constantly using it in a non-missionary sense. We, in the very DNA of our spirit God has given to us, is this outward seeking. I want to end off this morning by asking you to do two things for me. On that sheet of paper, I want you to think about a couple of things. I want you to think about what we talked about in terms of the identity piece. I want you to think about someone in your life that needs the work of the kingdom of God. Could be healing, could be restoration, could be driving out demons, could be whatever. You know who these people are. God has placed you in and amongst them. I want you to write those names down. I want you to write that. You're not going to give this into us. We're not going to follow you, creep you out or any of that stuff. This is for you. And we want you to spend time praying about that. The second thing I'd like you to write, you could write on the other side of the sheet, is this. There are some of you here who are really deeply passionate about some of the bad things that are going on in the world. Not because they're bad, but you're passionate because those things are ruining this world and you want to do something about it, but you don't think you can. And I'm here to say to you that God has given you the power, the ability, and the authority to stand in the midst of that. And guess what? As you go there, proclaim the kingdom of God. I'll give you an example. Maybe for those of you going back to school this year, maybe it's bullying. 
Maybe it's racism. You fill in the blank. You've been to school long enough. You know. You know, you know some of the things that are like, you know what, this is not good. Maybe some of you at work, you see injustice, you see on your way to work, you see poverty. Maybe there are things that you see that are systems in this world that are, are really bad. Or maybe you just know like, hey man, there's something dark about this place or there's something dark about this. I want you to write those things down because I totally believe this. I believe that when God enters into our life, one of the things that he does is he starts to change our hungers, our thirsts, our desires. And for many of us, those are the desires that he's, he's sought to put in us. And he's not putting in us so that we would feel good about the fact that we feel bad that things are happening. He's put it there so that we would go and stand in the midst of that and proclaim the kingdom of God. And by his spirit, the scriptures say we have authority to. So who are those names? And as Donna kind of mentioned in the announcements, again, like maybe you're thinking that these people don't know Jesus or whatever. Again, like a perfect plug for Alpha, if you will, right? Is maybe, maybe God's saying, you know what, it's time to, to, to capture on that relationship and say, hey, would you like to have a discussion about Jesus? Maybe it, it's, it's that these people are, are bedridden, they're sick, and they're like, you know what? Maybe the work of God can come and pour into this, and we need to pray. We need to stand for them and, and, and stand on behalf of the kingdom for them. That's what we're here for. That's what we as a community ought to be. The question is this. The obedience question simply is this. As you write these things down, are you going to do it or what? As you go. Right? And what does he say at the end? Freely you have received. <laughs> Freely give. Those are commands, people. They're not options. And I, I wrestle with that. And I want to challenge you, and I want to pray as we write this stuff down, would you, would you commit this year to standing with the presence of God's kingdom, empowered by His Holy Spirit, in the midst of all of these things. We also have people who are wanting to pray with you. Again, totally optional, right? But we realize that some of these things are scary to do on your own. And many of you have said, you know, we want to see some sort of revival. We want to see things that are happening in this community, this church. And, and, and I'll tell you something. It starts with a personal renewal. It starts with us saying, yeah, God, I want to do this. And, and I think what we want to do, and I don't think we are going to do this. We want to do this this morning is we want to pray with you. We want to say we stand with you. You're not alone where the kingdom of God is pointing you out to be. We want to stand with you and pray. We want to pray against the darkness. We want to pray against all of those things. We want to pray for those people that you have on your sheet. And if you want, man, know that we're standing with you. Know that you don't got to do this by yourself. Now, I don't know where people are going to be, Jeff, do you know where people are going to be standing kind of thing, right? Just all over? Yeah. So there are going to be people who are standing in the aisles. Again, feel free. As, as we're spending the rest of this time in worship and praying about these things, if you need and you want to go pray, come to these people. Come, ask them and say, you know, I, I really have this burning desire. Let's be people who follow after the instincts that the Holy Spirit has placed in us. Amen.